But we're in the second week of a series called Dysfunctional Family. And uh, the reason it's called Dysfunctional Family is because there's no other kind of family. Can I get an amen in church today, right? There is no such thing as a fully functional family. Even the best of the best are still human. Amen? I mean, I feel like I had some great parents. But uh, when I got married... Uh, Camden just like informed me of all these things that I wasn't good at. I was like, my mom said I was perfect. <laughs> I was like, how dare you? So last week we talked about marriage and uh, we put out a lot of principles to help us on marriage. And uh, I, I was talking to Mallory, who was up here earlier, and uh, she's married to Kevin, Pastor Kevin, who was leading worship right here. And she, she, she told me and a few other people's that, that Kevin, that your mother used to call you Kevin from heaven. I mean, boom. I mean, that is just incredible. But uh, no, don't you clap for that. Kevin won't be able to fit up on stage here afterwards. But uh, what I want to talk to you about today is parenting. How do you parent and get Kevin from heaven? No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. But you know, parenting is one of those things, and if you're not a parent, I want to encourage you to listen in, because what these principles are going to come from is our relationship with God, because there, there's two things that God calls us or equates our relationship to Him as. One of them is as sheep, and we talked about that a few weeks ago. Uh, another one is the bride of Christ. But today, what I want to talk to you about is what it looks like to be a child, a child of God. How does God parent us? How do we parent our kids? Because I think we get uh, some things really, really wrong about the way we parent. I think we shoulder too much. I think we need to lean into what the Bible's actually said. Because one of the things that happens is we read all kinds of books and we forget about the best book. Right. This is the best book on parenting that's out there. If, if you had no other resources available to you except for this book, you could be a great parent. And I believe that and I want you to walk out of here believing that this is actually the best book on parenting that you have. And so I want to do that. But what I, what the way I want to do that is I want to look at two incredibly familiar passages to those of us who have been in church for a while. If you haven't been in church, I want to show you two of the foremost sections on parenting that the Bible offers. One's in the Old Testament and one's in the New Testament. And, and just kind of walk through that. But this first one is found in Deuteronomy chapter 6. Deuteronomy chapter 6. And it's in a section of the Bible that is called the Shema. And that's just a fancy Hebrew word that means listen. If you could boil parenting into one word, would it not be listen? Just listen, right? But if God looked at you... Could he not boil down into one word what he would have you to do today? Think about it. Would you just listen? I think so often in my own life, and maybe you can identify with this, I feel like I need an answer. I feel like I need a word from God, or I feel like I need something from him, and he would just gently remind me. 
I've given you everything that you need. And so as we think about that, this section, it was the was the whole thing for an Israelite. This Shema would be recited daily. It would be memorized. It would be something they would talk to their kids about. And it was really the summation of their entire relationship with God. And it's found in these three verses. Listen to what it says. It says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. What had just happened was in Deuteronomy chapter 5 was this laying out of the Ten Commandments and also from Exodus. And what, what it was doing was reminding them of what their responsibility was before God. But then at the end of it, Moses comes to the people and gives them this Shema and gives them this this. Life-giving statement because what happens when you give your kids all the rules? How does that make them feel? What happens when your boss gives you all the rules at work? How does that make you feel? Intimidated or like you don't measure up. And because quite frankly, at most of the time we don't. We're a dysfunctional people. But what... Moses comes and reminds the people and and in just a second, he's going to turn, make, take a turn towards parenting. But he reminds them of what's most important. The Lord is God. There's only one. And if you love him with all your heart and all your soul and all your strength. Everything's going to be okay. Everything's going to be okay. You see, because you you live in a world that's incredibly broken. You live in a culture that is incredibly broken. And you are a human being that is incredibly broken. That that even even in our greatest attempts to get things buttoned up and put together, this is an appropriate word for every one of us. Hear, O Redeemer City Church. The Lord is God. Maybe some of you walked in here today and that's just the word that you need right now. That no matter what's going on in all the world, in all of your world, which can seem so big, God is seated on the throne. And He is one. And He is not confused. And He has your best in mind. And he's working for you, not against you. But he may be asking you to walk through something to get where he's taking you. Deuteronomy, the whole book, is a collection of speeches written by Moses. And they were really given to that next generation of Israel. So the first generation came to the promised land, right? That God had given them and they're standing there and, and, and they sin. And God says, you're, you're going to walk around for another 40 years. And so uh, now they're coming and they're, they're at, the, at the edge of the promised land, ready to step into all that God has for them. But the problem was they hadn't been through all that God had done. They hadn't been through that 80 years of all that God had taught them. And so Moses comes to them and is giving them these things that matter so much. And he invites them to respond to God's mercy 
with love and faithfulness and obedience. It's called the Shema. But out of that, out of that Shema, out of that recognition of who God is, there are three things that are principles of being God's child. And I want to give those to you today. Three things that you can write down that have nothing to do with parenting. It has everything to do with just being a child of God. That born out of that statement are these three things. Number one, I can hear God. Think about the power of that reality. That tomorrow morning, when Monday smacks you in the face, and you have a full week that you have to live your life, you can walk into that knowing, I can hear God. The God of the universe. He's available to you. But not only can you hear God, number two, you can know God. A couple of weeks ago, we talked about being sheep. And one of the things we said was that Jesus said, rather, was that his sheep hear his voice and know him. It's an amazing concept that I can hear God and I can know God. And number three, as a result of those two things, I can love God. I can love God. I can hear God. I can know God and I can love God. And so what the Shema is, is the call to a lifestyle of worship. That your whole life is this offering of worship to God. And so that, that is how Moses sums up for this new generation of God's people what life will look like as they step into the promised land. Because if you know anything about your Bible, they're going to have to go in and fight. They're going to have to build. They're going to have to teach. There's going to be so much to do. But going into it, what does Moses, this great leader, before he passes the baton to Joshua to really lead the people into the land, what he wants them to know is you can hear God, know God, and love God. If you bask in that, Moses is saying, everything else is going to take care of itself. Because that is what you need. And then Moses takes a critical turn in the story to parenting. Isn't that interesting that, that he, he looks at God's people and gives them the Shema, this all-important, all-encompassing. Even Jesus in the New Testament agrees when the Pharisees would ask him, what's the greatest commandment in the Bible? This is what he would quote. It's the most important thing, but then Moses makes that turn. And what I want to do today is just give you a couple of principles to help you with your parenting. Because here, here listen, listen to me, parents or future parents or former parents. You can just give, give a good amen in church today. But for too long, we've bought into this idea that we can produce the perfect child. And I want you to hear me today. You cannot produce the perfect child. You, you just go ahead and remove that and, and don't live your dreams through your kids. Okay? Hear me with a gentle pastoral heart. You can't produce a perfect child. 
And one of the most tragic mistakes would be for you to raise a child believing that you had it all together. Because what we don't need is a child growing up thinking you are perfect. What we need is children growing up knowing that Jesus is perfect despite our family not being perfect. Am I making sense in church today? Because we're a dysfunctional family and teaching them and pointing them not to just obey mom and dad, but to love the Lord their God with all their heart and all their soul and all their strength is the most important thing you can pass on to your kids. And so that's what I want to look at because what, what, what Redeemer City Church has been called to this planet for is to see people set free. And parenting feels a whole lot more like prison than it does freedom. Most of the time. <laughs> we love our kids. But let me say it to you this way. Let me say it to you this way and then we'll look at this next section that Moses gives them. The one who designed parenting gets to define parenting. Does that make sense? You know, there, there's so many ideas. If you would just do a Google search or get on Amazon and look at the number of books that are out there on parenting, uh, you're going to quickly be overwhelmed by what is out there. And every, every one of these systems and books that you read, they're, they're going to tell you that this is the system. You know, the, the four million books written before this about parenting weren't right, but this one's going to change your life. And what you find is you might grab a few things from each of them, but none of them change your life. Why? Because you're still you and you're still a sinner and your kids have your DNA. <laughs> Unless you adopt one like we did and then you are working with someone else's DNA, which is even worse. <laughs> so you're like, man, this isn't even my fault. But as we look into this next section, I think it's important for you to think about the fact that God calls your children a gift. And James tells us that every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father above. And so I don't have time to unpack like all these places, but if you would just do a quick search in, in a Bible app or something on children, what you're going to find is that God says having kids is great. Having lots of kids is great and that they are an incredible gift from God. So what do you do with this great gift? Look at what Moses says here in the next couple of verses. So he just gives them the Shema, this summation of our relationship with God. And here's what he turns to this next generation and tells them that this is the first application point that he's going to give the people of God. Verse 7 of Deuteronomy chapter 6 says this, impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. Your kids don't need a perfect parent. They need a real parent. What, what, is the, what is the advice that Moses is giving to this brand new generation of God's people, these new parents of the faith? He doesn't give them a five-step program or, you know, when to uh, 
move your kid into their own bed or to move them out of a crib and into a big girl bed. So we just did is awesome. I mean, there's just something about your two year old little girl just looking at you and be like, Daddy, I'm in my big girl bed. And you're like, how about you stay in your big girl bed all night <laughs> and let daddy get some sleep? Can I get a good amen in church today? Right? <laughs> I hear that. What, what does he say? What does Moses say? He says, talk about God with your kids a lot. Let me just give you three things that I, that I think are incredibly practical that that means. Here, here's three Things your kids learn from watching you. Okay? As you think about what does it mean to impress them on your kids and talk about these things all the time with your kids, what are three things that are, that are built into the fabric of that verse? Here they are. Number one, kids learn repentance from you. Think about that. What, what does it mean to love God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength, and then impress that on your kids? What are they learning from you? Not how to be perfect, but how to be in a relationship with God. And and that just begins with repentance, right? One of the greatest gifts you can give your kids is teaching them how to repent before God and others. Because if, if they grow up thinking that their parents don't do anything wrong, that's a great disservice to them. And I don't even think that we all the time do that on purpose, but if you think about the way you communicate with your kids, and if you are a young parent and are, are looking ahead at what's going to come, what's going to happen is your kids, as the older they get, you're going to scratch your head more and more as to why they're making the decisions they're making. And what, what, what they don't need to think is that you've made all great decisions. One of the greatest gifts you can give your kids is repentance. Repent, repent to your kids. When you don't parent them properly, repent to them and then pray with them. From the earliest of ages, you know, daddy lost his temper. Daddy lost his cool. I'm sorry. That's not how God designed parenting. It's a great gift that you can give your kids because what are you teaching them? To look to God, not just to you. Repentance. The second thing your kids learn from you is love. You could put a slash there and put worship. You see, because your kids learn from you what matters the most. So if God matters the most to you, they're going to pick up on that. They'll see you read, read, your, read your Bible. They'll see what music you listen to. They'll see where you spend your weekends. They'll see where you serve and how you worship. Because what, is, what does it look like for us to love God with all of our heart, all of our soul, and all of our strength? This is what we're to impress on our children. Your habits will become their habits. What are you teaching your kids? What are they learning from you about what you love? Husbands, will they see that you love your wife? God gives us, God, dads, the, the great privilege of showing our kids what it looks like to be a husband. 
They're going to learn that from you. And what's that a picture of? Jesus and his bride. The Bible says, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for you for her. Your kids are going to see that and learn that. Public service announcement, Valentine's is coming up. You've got an opportunity, dads, to show your kids how to love your bride. Number three, truth. In the culture that we now find ourselves in, this will be of critical importance. There are a whole lot of opinions on a whole lot of things in the world right now. Have you noticed that or are you, are you hiding under a rock? Right? If you just you turn the TV on or you watch State of the Union or, I mean, isn't it amazing? I'm just watching, I'm not, I'm not going to talk about politics, don't worry. One of the, but when I was watching the State of the Union, it was amazing to watch a, a, a stark line of one half standing and cheering and the other half furious. Just an incredible picture of why culture can't solve your problems. Culture can't solve your problems. What is Moses saying? You're, you're going to get into these places and you're going to go do all these things. And you're going to be tempted to, to do a whole lot of stuff for you. But what do you need to remember to love God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind and impress them on your children? That's what he tells them to do. See, because there's tons of things that you could do and there's tons of opportunities that you could take. And there's tons of parenting models that you can put into practice. And some of them might work for you. But when they're 19 and they walk out of your house, Lord willing, praise God. I'm just kidding. We love you. Besides when you're a pastor's kid, it's just, you know, you get picked on. But as... Your child makes that transition. What are they going to leave your house with? Some mistakes, some regrets. Of course. So did you. But will they walk out loving God with all their heart, with all their soul, and all their strength? Knowing that their strength isn't enough, but knowing that that's what matters most. So what does that look like, though, in the 21st century United States of America? You're like, that sounds great, Pastor, but can you give me anything to hang on to? Can you give me any, anything that I can walk out of here today and put that into practice? Let me take you to the New Testament and give you the, the foremost passage on that. And I think it will really help us as we think about what does that practically look like. And there's some things that I would encourage you to, to dive into farther uh, on your own this week in this passage and to really dig into and and think about and pray about. But, but I want to give you the overall principles that I think can help you in your parenting. But it comes from Ephesians chapter 6 and the first four verses. And here's what it says. The Bible says this, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. If you're a child today, you are to obey your parents in the Lord, for it's right. Verse 2, honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise. Why? Most of the time we, we miss the actual promise in this. 
the promise given to those of us that are children. Here's what it says. It says, so that it may go well with you. And that's most of what we remember. They will go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. And a lot of times we think if I obey my parents, I'm going to live a long time. That God will give me a long life. So if I honor and obey my parents, I'm going to have a long life. That's not what it actually says, right? What does it say? That when you have that long life, that it will actually go well for you. See, because nobody wants to live a long life that's going really poorly. What is God's promise? That if you honor your father and mother and obey your parents, you will have that long life, but that it will go well with you. That's an actual promise from God. A lot of times we, in the name of prosperity, we kind of shy away from that stuff. But what does the Bible actually say? If I obey my parents and honor them, not only can I have a long life, but I can have a long life that goes well for me. I'm going to be honest with you. I think this is the only reason I am where I am in life. I I think that God has done this verse in my life. There is nothing special about what I bring to the table. It's been the sheer grace and blessing of God. And I think if you look at your life, you'll, you'll see the same thing. And if you are already an adult and you're looking back and wondering if that happened in your life, I would just say to you this. I would take this passage of Scripture and apply it to your relationship with God. Are you obeying God your Father because it's right? Are you honoring your Father in heaven, which is the first commandment with a promise? And if you're not, I would encourage you to make the changes necessary to make that a reality in your life. Because the promise isn't just long life, but that you'll enjoy it. That's a big deal. But if you're a parent, I want to give you three more principles of actual parenting that will give you some perspective. And then I want you to, to take them this week and dive farther into them in your Bible. There, there's a lot there. But... Basically what the Bible lays out, and I don't have time to give you everything about this, but the Bible lays out three different aspects of parenting that you will experience as you raise your kids. The first one is from ages 0 to 12. The Bible calls this being a child. So when you see that in Scripture, the the word children is 0 to 12. So if you fall into that category, if you have kids from 0 to 12, What your responsibility in that moment, according to the Bible, is training. So number one, three principles of parenting. Number one there is training. And it's really found in verse one where it says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. From zero to twelve, your job is to train your child to obey. That's what they're gathering from you. And there, there's a ton of psychological information out there for you to think about, by the way. But when, when the Bible talks about children, it says that your job is to train them to obey. Because why is it important for them to learn to obey you, not so that they obey you? And some of you need this perspective shift when you parent right now, because you're, they're not learning just to obey you, they're learning to obey God. See, because look at what Proverbs 22, 6 says. Start children off on the way they should go. And even when they are old, 
they will not turn from it. What is the way they should go? Well, Proverbs lays out a lot of things as a way they should go. That first they should follow God and then they shouldn't be stupid. That's really what Proverbs says. I think there's even a verse that the NIV translates it stupid. Right? Because what, what, is, what does Solomon keep doing? He says, my son, don't do this. My son, do that. But then he wrote Ecclesiastes and said, what do we have? To love God. Right? You're put in their life to parent them. So we train them in the things of the Lord. It's incredibly important. Uh, let me let me step into let me step into your world a little bit and step on your toes maybe. This isn't going to be on the screen. I just want you to listen to this scripture. Maybe jot it down. But Proverbs 23:13 and 14. Here here's what it says. Just listen to this. Do not withhold discipline from a child. If you punish them with the rod, they will not die. Our culture really struggles right now with what does discipline look like? How should you discipline your child? Should you spank? Should you not? Should you use time out? Should you use... I mean, there's all kinds of weird stuff out there. Here's what the Bible says. Don't withhold discipline from a child. Don't not discipline your kid. If you punish them with the rod, they're not going to die. I promise you they're not going to die. But look at verse 14. God raises the stakes for you and I. Punish them with the rod and you might save them from death. What does discipline do for your kid? It trains them that there are consequences for our choices. And how many of us as adults in this room right now would look at our life and say, yeah, there's consequences for my choices because the Bible says that those whom God loves, he corrects. You're training your kids to know that the choices they make have consequences. It's what the Bible lays out for us. So let me give you three things about that. As you're training your kids, I think there's three things you need to do. Be clear, be convincing, and be compassionate. Th- those are the principles that the Bible lays out. Be clear, be convincing, be compassionate. See, you've got to be clear because it's like when I told my two-year-old, don't throw the rock in the pool. You know, we were at somebody's house and she's just grabbing rocks, throwing them in the pool. I'm like, I don't want to go get all those, all those rocks out of the pool. Don't throw the rocks in the pool. So she's like, okay. So she walked over there, grabbed a little tricycle, pushed it up, pushed it in the pool. And so I'm looking at my two-year-old going, well, she didn't throw the rock in the pool, <laughs> right? I wasn't clear. You know, a lot of times... I, I, I find myself in my moments of parenting recognizing, like, I need to say what I mean, right? Like, kids are the masters of manipulation. If you don't know that, welcome to parenting, okay? But clear, and then be convincing. Be convincing. It, it, it's painful to watch or do as a parent and say, don't you do that or I'm going to do this. And then they do it, and you're like, oh, I'm telling you, don't you do that, or I'm going to do this. And they're like, and then they do it, and you're like, oh, now you've done it. 
Now I'm going to do it. And what does your child know? He ain't going to do it. Right? Clear. You, you're training your kids. I'm training my kids. I'm preaching out myself right now, okay? It's because, you know, I, that, that sweet little girl God gave me who's two years old. I mean, she's got daddy wrapped around her finger. And she's only two. But what does it mean to love your kids? To train them for the life that they're going to have to live. Because they aren't going to be in your house forever. Training. But then be compassionate. Can I give you just two things that I'm learning already and that I learned from my parents? Shame is never a part of discipline. I want you to gather that. Shame is never a part of discipline. When God corrects you, He never shames you. When He corrects you, it's for your good. It's never for your shame. Let me give you a second one. And these are things I've gathered from other people. I'm, I'm not giving you things that I am doing perfectly. But here's another one. Never in public and never in anger. Never in public and never in anger. There's something special about removing your child from the situation and giving it to them compassionately and in private. Especially if you choose to spank. Never in public and never in anger. But you have to do it. You have to train. And a lot of that is involved in discipline. Because by doing that, you'll actually save them, is what the Bible tells us. Number two, adolescence, age 13 to 19. Things change. I haven't been there, but I've been doing a lot of research on it. And Pastor Jake is there. So you two, just plug your ears. We're going to talk about you for a second. But what happens is you move from training to teaching. And there's a difference. So number two is teaching. Let me give it to you this way. We tell a child what to think. We teach a teen how to think. And there's a huge difference. Because they hit an age where... where they begin to formulate their opinions about life and they no longer need you to tell them what to think, but teach them why you arrived at that conclusion. What's right and true is still right and true, but what we're doing is we're not telling them anymore. We're teaching them how to arrive at those conclusions. Transitioning from being a child to an adult, there's that transition period, right? I mean... Those of you who parent teenagers, have you, ever been, have you ever had your teenager come to you and say, you're treating me like a child? And your response is, well, you're acting like a child, right? What is happening there? There's this transition happening for everybody where you're learning how to be an adult. Ephesians 6.2 says, honor your father and mother. So in verse 1, you see the children. Obey your parents. In verse 2, you see adolescents honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise. That those are the things that are happening. How do, you, how do you do that? You ask them questions and you let them ask you questions. What kind of criteria will you use when you choose friends? Show me your friends, I'll show you your future. What kind of study habits are you building for later in life? 
Let them answer. Figure it out. And what will that mean for you later in life? And teach them. Teach them about what happened to you. Teach them about the decisions you made and how they affected you now. Let them in on that because they don't need a perfect parent. They need a real parent. And then finally, what happens when they move into adulthood? What happens when, they, when, what happens when they're 20 plus? I think number three is trusting. So we've trained, we've taught, and now we trust. Our relationship changes at that point. Verse 3 says, so that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. There's no instruction for that part. Right? You've, you've taught them to obey. You've taught them to honor. You're no longer an authority in their life. They transition to be responsible before God. Now you counsel. Now they're a brother and sister in Christ. And things look different. And I learned this from my dad. And it was just, there was just this clear moment where he stopped telling me what to do and he started asking me how it's going. And, and we have learned how to develop this relationship where he's a counselor in my life, the most important counselor in my life. And he's done a great job of staying my best friend. But he didn't become my best friend by doing whatever I wanted when I was a kid. He trained and he taught. And he's trusting. It's a transfer of leadership, right? Let me leave you with this. In Matthew chapter 23, uh, we're, we're given this picture of the Trinity. And we're given this picture of what happens when we take something and we abuse our title. Right? Look at Matthew 23, verses 8 to 10. Here's what it says. But you are not called rabbi, for you have one teacher and are all brothers. And do not call anyone on earth father, for you have one father and he is in heaven. Nor are you called to be instructors, for you have one instructor, the Messiah. So what was happening here for sake of time is the Pharisees were coming to Jesus and basically saying, you're not, you're not who you say you are. These people need to listen to us. And Jesus basically tells them that they're abusing their title because there's only one father. So if you're a parent, what you're trying to get your kids to see is that they have a good heavenly father. That, that you're in this placeholder of life that they will grow up and do what? Love the Lord their God with all their heart and all their soul and all their strength. If you accomplish that... You've won as a parent. And that should be our goal. Our goal shouldn't be to discipline everything difficult out of our life. <laughs> but rather, that we would show our kids how to get to Jesus. Show our children how they can be a child of God. That they can hear God, know God, and love God.